I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Five Times Podcast. To see a legend near you, check out the events page on our website, fivetimes.co.uk. Welcome to this week's edition of the Five Times Podcast. The disappointment, of course, of going down to Bournemouth last weekend and getting beat, having been in such a strong position through that second half. But this week for you, we have Ray Houghton, who was down at the Bournemouth game. He was doing a bit of commentary down there. He talks to us about his thoughts on the game. Gary Gillespie joins us as well former Liverpool defender he talks about the current Liverpool defensive issues John Hartson joins us of course he was ex-West Ham in his time but a Liverpool fan as well which was interesting to hear he tells us a few of his thoughts and we finished with Adam Morgan this week of course we all know he scored that hat-trick in the FA Cup don't forget to subscribe to iTunes so you don't miss any of the shows and you can have a listen leading up to the West Ham game this weekend which we all hope we get back to winning ways and make it difficult for West Ham this weekend Enjoy. To hear previous podcasts, checkouts, and rate our page on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Delighted to welcome former Red, who we all know, of course, Ray Houghton. But did you know where he started? It was West Ham, of course. Welcome, Ray Houghton, to the Five Times Podcast. Ray, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, good. Were you down there for the uh, last weekend's game against Bournemouth? Yeah, I was. I've actually, you know, and I've been very fortunate in the last week or so, I was actually at Swansea 5, Crystal Palace 4, and then I was at Bournemouth 4, Liverpool 3, so I've been uh, at a couple of games that have been absolutely sensational and just crazy, you know, the last 20 minutes of both games was uh, incredible, uh, particularly the Liverpool one, because I just couldn't see Bournemouth going on to win the game, Liverpool were so dominant for 75 minutes, 3-1 up, looked like they were going to cruise, cruise through to 3 points, and then, uh, you know, they just uh, lost their heads and give away some really silly goals. You say that about losing the heads a little bit in a strong position at 3-1 game management. Was was there a specific moment, you think, in that second half which changed? Was it Mane going off? Was it perhaps a phobie coming on for Bournemouth? What moment do you think changed it from 3-1 to the momentum Bournemouth gained? Well, there was two moments for me, Neil. One was Mane going off, because what Mane was, he was stretching the opposition now, Adam Lallana's not that type. Adam, you know, likes to get in possession of the ball, likes to come deep and get involved in the build-up play. But Manny can take you from defence to attack and get you higher up the field, which drags your midfield up, which drags your back four up. Uh, and, there's, you know, you're in a, a, an area where you can win the ball back inside the opposition's half. Uh, and then he went off. That was limited at, at times. But there was a young lad that came on for them called Fraser. Uh, he was out and loan at Ipswich last season and you know, young Scottish lad and Eddie Howe spoke very highly about him, said, look, he just needs a platform to go and show what he can do. But he came on and it was because Junior Stanislas picked up an injury. So it wasn't through anything that Eddie Howe had done and, and thought, yeah, I'll bring him on and he can change the game for me. It was just he picked up an injury, threw the young lad on and gave him the instructions to go and see what he could do. And he was involved in the three goals. Um, he was brought down by James Milner for the penalty he scored the, the, the goal like that and he was involved in the equaliser 
for a three three for Cook when he crossed the ball and Steve Cook controlled it and fired it past Carris in the goal. So he was the main change for me. Really came on dynamic, took the game to Liverpool, and Liverpool really didn't deal with him. Doesn't happen often, Ray, but we conceded four goals in the second half, 45 minutes. Which goal do you think was the most disappointing to concede? Well, obviously, uh, the first one is always the one, isn't it? You know, to give it away the penalty in the manner that we did, you know, because James Milner just got caught the wrong side. You know, he's got him getting a better defensive position. There was no real danger. The, you know, the lad wasn't going anywhere and he, he just brought him down, which gave them a bit of impetus. And then the last one, you know, the goalkeeper who really hasn't had a great deal to do as far as 90 minutes is concerned, but he's actually picked the ball out of the back of the net four times. And I've got to say, overall, he'll be disappointed with his performance. I mean, when he was called upon, didn't really, you know, take charge of his 18 yard box. You know, he's got to be the one that's really responsible. And there was a few shots that came in where he should be catching it and he's like trying to punch it and it was going over the bar he made one great save from a phobie when he came out and made himself nice and big and they took a deflection off and went wide but the winning goal you know he's got to do better I know it bounced in front of him and it is one of them uh, moments where he can be indecisive as a goalkeeper but you know, big keepers make big saves in games and it either wins you a point or it gets you three points. It was a blip. And hopefully it's a blip as far as Liverpool's concerned because, you know, there was no sign of it in previous games. They come in with the back, I think, three clean sheets, aren't they, Liverpool? So, you know, there was some good signs that were defending well. He was confident as a goalkeeper. And then you have, you know, a game like that where probably everything that could have went wrong did go wrong. You know, maybe we might keep you now and uh, Lucas coming in the last 10 minutes or so, he looked a little bit jaded because he hasn't got that match fitness and certainly the tactics changed from Eddie Howe we have Phoebe coming on and they just went for it be two up front and tried to put Liverpool under pressure they went away from you know playing like a, a, a number 10 role for Jack Wiltshire they put him a little bit deeper threw on another striker and just went for it you know to try and get something out of the match so Liverpool are going to have to deal with that when they play other teams you know they're getting a lot of respect at the moment because of the attacking options that they've got but when you're dominating the game and you're 3-1 up, you have to see the game out. If you're going to finish in the top four, you're going to be in there trying to win the league, you have to make sure that you keep your de- defensive discipline as well. You keep your concentration. You don't switch off for a moment. Don't give any encouragement to the opposition to get back into the game. And unfortunately, that's what Liverpool did against Bournemouth. What was interesting this week was listening to Bournemouth defender Steve Cook. He admitted on Talk Sport that they actually targeted Carrius, you know, as a weakness to get crosses in, to get shots in, which you don't often hear too often, perhaps, players letting one or two changing room secrets out. But it's quite interesting to hear that they did identify Carrius as a potential weak link, well, and it proved to be the case. Well, the thing is, Neil, what, what uh, Eddie Howney's uh, technical side. Of, of his, uh, of his a team down there, and it's a big team, not just the coaching staff, but the technical boys as well. They sit down and they cut up matches of the opposition that they're playing against. Because uh, I heard from Eddie when they played Arsenal, and there was, he was asked a question Will you talk to Jack Wiltshire, uh, who's on loan from Arsenal, about Arsenal setup and you know the strengths and weaknesses of the team? They said, No. He said, I won't bother with that. That's my job as manager. I've got a technical uh, group. 
And what we do is we evaluate the opposition. So I'm not surprised that they were looked at footage of Liverpool. They were seeing how good they are coming forward. But they were looked at them defensively. Can can they defend crosses? Do they make mistakes? And they might look back to the game against Crystal Palace when there was a mistake from Lovren. Uh, the ball went up in the air. Uh, James McArthur went in and scored the header. And the goalkeeper came out and had his arms down by his side. So they're the little things that managers delve into see where a strength and a weakness of the opposition are. So I'm not surprised that they're, they're going to target certain areas of, uh, of Liverpool's team at the moment because, you know, going forward, they're, they look like they're going to score plenty of goals. But unfortunately, you know, the worry and the concern, I'm sure, for the manager on Sunday was how easily the opposition got through them and the goals were not performing. And you can't afford that to happen in any other games coming up, you know, after... Arsenal winning the weekend, Chelsea winning the weekend. It was usually important for Liverpool to keep pace with them. And unfortunately, they didn't do that. So hopefully it's just a bit of a slip up. Uh, and the next few games, and there's some big ones coming up against Everton, Manchester City, that the players will be ready for it. It's West Ham this weekend, Ray. Obviously, they're struggling a little bit for, for form at the moment. And obviously, Slavin Bilic is under a lot of pressure. They got a huge battering at home to Arsenal last weekend. Good game, do you think, after the defeat to Bournemouth to go into at home? Well, it may be. And it may not be in some respects because, you know, they're both fighting for points for different reasons, aren't they? And both have come off of, you know, Liverpool actually played well. I've got to say, for 75 minutes, I thought they were, you know, looked a very good outfit. And it was just that last 15 minutes that, unfortunately, that's the bit that people remember. They won't remember the, all the good stuff that went before it. They'll just remember that they conceded three goals in the last 15 minutes, which eventually... You know, they, they lost the game from. Uh, as for West Ham, they are struggling. You know, when the manager comes out and says the tempo isn't right in training as well as it is in game, it's a really bad sign because he should should be setting the tempo. If it isn't right in training, that's his job as manager to say to the lads, stop, I ain't good enough, lads. You know, last season we were at it. We were working hard in games. We were making it difficult for the opposition. We're not at the moment. They're just coming off of a, of a real hiding against Arsenal at home. And, and the West Ham fans are not happy at the moment. I don't think they're not unhappy with Billich. I think they still have faith in them. But they're unhappy with some of the star names, you know, the, the likes of Payet, uh, who really hasn't hit the heights he showed last season. He's nowhere near it. He's, he's well off the pace. Defensively, they've given up too many chances. They're, they've got certain players out at the moment who have been key for them in the past. They don't look like they've got to score many goals. You know, Zaja up front's not worked. Uh, you know, you, you've got Sacco who's got an injury, Andy Carroll who's coming back from a long-term injury. So there's a lot of problems with West Ham at the moment. Now, they went to Liverpool, I don't know if it was last season, the season before, and got a, a favourable result, you know, which was unusual because West Ham don't normally do that. But I just wonder what the mindset's going to be with them. Do they really believe in each other? Is there any confidence in this group of players at the moment? And there'll be a severe test against Liverpool because I expect Liverpool to come out quick. I expect them to, you know, get over that defeat against Bournemouth and put on a strong performance and I expect them to beat West Ham. We all hope so, Ray. Thank you for joining us on the Five Times Podcast. Thanks, Neil. Coming soon to a city near you, the Liverpool Legends. For more information and ticket prices, check out our websites, fivetimes.co.uk. Now it's time for a former Red, you all know, of course. Gary Gillespie joins us on the Five Times podcast. Gary, what was your verdict defensively at Bournemouth at the weekend? Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, I think any time, certainly in the Premier League, you go away from home and you manage to score three goals, you expect to, to obviously win the game. I just think we, we took it off the ball as a team in general. Um, 
second half, um, we weren't doing what we were doing well in the first half. Because I think when you look at the performance in that first 45 minutes, it was as good as what we've seen um, already this season. And you, you didn't really ex- expect or anticipate what was going to happen in the second half. And as I say, I just think you know, one or two players maybe got a little bit tired, a little bit overconfident. And if you do that and you give any team a, a sniff in the Premier League, you know, you can get punished. And I think that's what happened in the end. Defensively, it was just one of these games, one of these situations where we kind of fell into it. And uh, it was a situation you didn't want to be falling into it. To give anybody any like that little bit of encouragement, um, then they get a bit of momentum, the crowd get behind them, and you're under pressure where... Certainly in the first 45 minutes, that, that wasn't the case. We were never really under pressure. Bournemouth weren't really in the game. Uh, and Liverpool could have been uh, done and dusted, to be honest with you. But it, I think it's an indication and it's a, it's a good example for the rest of the season um, that when you've got a team on the rack, you, you keep them on the rack and you, you keep doing the things that you've been doing to get them on the rack. And uh, if it's a learning curve, then that's great because uh, that's what it's all about in the Premier League. You've got to have a, um, consistency and before that going into that game you know you're 15 under or like two defeats in 15 games or something like that and that's the kind of run that Liverpool will have to go on again but defensively it wasn't good but we'll put it down to a blip rather than uh, blame anybody Yeah obviously the goalkeeper took a bit of criticism and he could have done better for a couple of the goals certainly but Matip has settled in very very well so far since arriving from Schalke of course he's looked very classy do you feel as though we missed him at times on Sunday? Yeah, I think probably composure-wise and uh, that sense of calm authority that he kind of brings to the back four was probably the thing that like was missing. Um, and that's it's been a bit harsh on Lucas Leva because when you look at the game and analyse the game, Lucas Leva didn't do too many things wrong, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I just think that you want to be keeping your, your back four or your back five, including the goalkeeper, uh, on a consistent level and... You know, I think any time that you lose a player of Matip's ability and class, then, you, you know, you're going to miss him. Um, but, you know, you can say that the first 45 minutes, we didn't miss him in the first 45 minutes, so why should we miss him in the second half? But I think it was just when we came under that little bit of pressure, I think he has that calmness and that, that assuredness about him, a uh, calm sense of authority that he brings to the back four at this moment in time. And I think we just missed that a little bit. And, you know, hopefully he won't be out for too long. Injuries becoming a concern, do you think? Matip, he missed that game. Mane, he hobbled off. Coutinho was missing. Lalana had been missing for a few games. He's now coming back and not too sure when Daniel Surridge will be back. So at the moment, from going from one or two, they're starting to build on key players as well. I think injury-wise, it's always, it's always a concern throughout the season. Um, you know, I think injuries, suspensions. As much as we talk about Liverpool's strength and depth, and I do think that we have got a, a stronger squad uh, than what we've had in recent years, you know you, the, the players that you mentioned there, Mills. They're, they're all probably your best players, um, and I think any team that's going to miss your best, you know, or out, uh, have your best players out injured, you're, you're going to miss them. Um, hopefully, we can keep them fit throughout the, the, the season. I think much has been made of the way and the, 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 the way we play and the way that Jurgen wants to train these guys. That a lot of the pundits are thinking that that might be the case where we might lose quite a few players through injury, but. Look, there's still a long way to go and throughout the season you're going to have highs, you're going to have a little bit of disappointments. Uh, it's trying to maintain that level and keeping yourself in that top four. And, uh, you know, from what we've seen so far, certainly what I've seen so far, Liverpool are right up there on a performance level with the best teams in the Premier League. Um, you'd probably only say that Chelsea 
and that's only in recent weeks that so you would say that they've probably uh, matched Liverpool uh, from from a performance point of view. Uh, and if Liverpool can maintain that performance level throughout the season, then we won't be far away, uh, maybe of even achieving a little bit more than what we thought we could. Yeah, obviously we're well into December now. All the advent calendars are getting open daily, and we're still in that strong position, as you mentioned. You know, in the past it's been a case of looking looking up, thinking where we might get to. But we're third in the table, touching distance to Chelsea. We've been to Chelsea this season. We've beaten them, and there's a run of games now where you're looking at. You know, we can certainly keep ourselves in that picture. West Ham at home at the weekend, Borough away, and then obviously the big one against Everton. I think what we've done uh, from a performances so far this season, and going into that game at the weekend, you could see that you know, did we if we slipped up, which we obviously did, you know, we still had that uh, enough points to keep ourselves in that top four. And I think the longer you can keep yourself in that top four, we talked a lot about it in the you know um, when Suarez was here. I can't even remember the season. It was at twelve thirteen that we were you know that um, or that sort of level. And that's what we managed to do. We managed to keep ourselves in the top four for long spells and long periods. And I think that's vitally important, again, that we can do that uh, this season. And it gives you that little bit of uh, cushion to you know, maybe have a little bit of an off day and, and maybe lose a couple of points. But you know, I think we can put this down to a blip. I think Liverpool will bounce back. We did it against after the, the Burnley game. And that's the sort of mentality I think that we need to show again and, and bounce back after this little setback against Bournemouth. And as you rightly say, we're more than capable of doing it with the, the run of fixtures that we've got coming up. It's always a busy time, Christmas. And... You know yourself as a player, Neil, that you know games come fast and furious. And if you're playing four games over the case, the, the, the space of like two weeks, there's an awful lot of points to, to amass. And if you can amass as, as as many as you can, then you will be right up there come the new year. And that's where you want to be. That's the level that Liverpool at this moment in time should be. Mm. Looking at the, the midfield area, Emre Chan's been doing very well, added goals to his game, playing in a more advanced role this season. Obviously, it'd be interesting to see if he starts the weekend with Adam Lallana coming back fit. But I don't know if you'd seen this week, Emre Chan has launched his own website. So the online portfolio now, he has Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now his very own website. These modern day players, does he, what do you make of this? Uh, well, I think it's the modern day way, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I think... First and foremost, from a f- football point of view, I think you should be concentrating on your football rather than like uh, doing like websites and things like that. But in saying that, you know, it's, I don't suppose it's anything more than like writing a column in a newspaper. Uh, and there's plenty of players that have done that uh, over the the, the, few, the past year. Or so no, I don't see that as a as a problem. It only becomes a problem when it's a distraction from from uh, your playing on the pitch. Um, first and foremost, I think he was one of the players. I think in the second half that. And you tend to forget he played the, the game during the week in the, in the, the League Cup tie against Leeds as well. I think he went a little bit off the ball. He went a little bit out of the game. Rigi maybe went out of the game a little bit as well. And when you like you lose a couple of players, then you know it's, it, it makes a big difference. But no, I don't have an issue with with anything like that, Mel. I think a lot of the the, the, the past players, next players might might have a, a little bit of an issue. But certainly, I don't I don't think that should uh, have any detriment to his performances. And as you rightly say, he's been playing particularly well over the last few weeks uh, in that advanced position, which I think suits him a little bit better maybe than than that holding role that we saw him play. Uh, earlier on in his career at Liverpool so no I think uh, he's, he's still got a big part to play for Liverpool So you'll be doing your research for the next game on emraychan.com for uh, for that game against West Ham Right looking at the, the centre half partnerships 
I feel as though Matip and I wanted to get your point as a former defender Matip and Lovren have formed a decent partnership but it's it's not been there consistently it's, it, Lovren may be out Matip was out and, and there doesn't seem to be a sustained period of games where they're playing week in week out to really get that understanding and really solid as a partnership January round the corner L- Lucas comes in as, as the replacement Sacco's out of favour does perhaps uh, the manager look at strengthening or, or adding to that area do you think? Um I think you're always looking to strengthen your your playing squad, um, but that's the key: strengthen it. You, you've got to bring players in that will um, be stronger than what you've got or better than what you've got. And it's always a, a case in January where that's maybe not always the case that you can, these players are available. Um, as I say, I think all over the pitch, and I think sometimes we can we can concentrate too much on the defenders when you lose four goals I think it's easy to like you know point the finger at the goalkeeper in the back four and, but it's all over the pitch and especially the way Liverpool play at this moment in time it's not a case of just the back four that's defending and the goalkeeper you have to have your team working as well in front of you your midfield players and certainly your front man putting pressure on defenders um, but it's a, it's an interesting one because I mean, I think everybody's been talking about the boy Van Dijk at uh, Southampton. I mean, he's a, obviously a, a, a quality centre-back that a lot of teams might be looking at, but I don't think you're going to get him in January. I think Liverpool will probably just go with what they've got with regards to defenders, I would have thought, in the January transfer window. You rightly say that Sacco's probably out of the picture totally. Uh, it be interesting to see what happens with him. It might be a case where... If he goes out, then maybe you bring in a, a, another centre-back or another defender. You've got young Joe Gomez coming back as well, which, you know, it'll take him time, a lot of time. It probably won't be this season that you probably see him figure an awful lot. You've got a Laurie, I think, there as well. I, mean, yeah, I don't know whether he's out on loan or not. but um, So you have got players to come in if, if need be. And, I mean, Lucas has been a, an able deputy, as I said before. I, I think it's a little bit harsh that he lost four goals at the weekend and I don't think you can put uh, pinpoint the, the blame on him. Um, so I think the partnership, it's always a, it's always good to have a, a reliable and steady uh, back four or a back five. And I think you look at the teams that have done that in the past, the likes of Chelsea, when they were really at the strongest and, and winning Premier Leagues, um, then they always had a settled back four and, and your goalkeeper. So I think vitally important that you can try and do that. But it's not always the case. And then if that isn't the case, then you do have to have reliable you know, sources to, to call upon and bring players into the team. And I think Liverpool, let's face it, they're not, they're not short in numbers with, with, with that. But uh, as I say, you're always wanting to strengthen your team. Dizzy, I know you watch all levels at Liverpool under 18s, reserves, 23s. Um, obviously, I don't know if you saw this week, Michael Beals leaving to take up a role in Brazil. He was very emotional leaving, and you know, four years he's been over here now, involved in different coaching capacity at Liverpool. What did you make of, of his time here at Liverpool? Well, it's always difficult, isn't it? Uh, I think. Um Notoriously, and um, I know they don't want to be called the reserves, but notoriously, like it's always a difficult um, role to fulfil the, the reserve team manager or the elite squad management. I think it's your case is <clears throat> your job is really to look after the players that are like maybe coming up from under eighteen. Uh, I've got a wee chance of playing in the first team, and obviously the first teamers that are coming back into the the equation maybe to to play in the, in the first team. So it's a it's a complicated mix that he's got to bring players on. I think he's done it reasonably well, to be honest with you. I think uh, 
um, under 23s, it's, it's all or under 20s, and it's been a, it's been a lot of things, Mel, over the, the last like couple of years. So it's uh, that all obviously adds to the complication of the, the the management role. But no, I'm sure he's had a good time. I think uh, the academy and all through the academy, like right through from from a young age, have done an exceptional job. And I think we're bearing the fruits of it with the likes of these guys coming through, Ajaria, obviously Woodburn as well. Um, we've seen Cameron Brannigan as well, and a few Kevin Stewart. So, you know. Th- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All these guys that have come through that system, uh, it's all down to the likes of Alex Inglethorpe, Neil Critchley, and, and, and obviously Michael Beale as well. Yeah, obviously, there's a lot of speculation at the moment about who's going to potentially fill that role um, obviously Stephen Gerrard's name being linked to that the academy is flourishing at the moment as you mentioned Alex Inglethorpe doing some great work there players getting opportunities in the first team would you like to see Stevie come back to the club in, in whatever capacity it is? Uh, well I think I mean you would daft you'd be daft to say no you wouldn't want him I think um, it's always a it's always a difficult situation what role would Stephen Gerrard fill he's played such a role at such a high level that I don't know. It might be a little bit difficult for him to maybe take a back seat and and play a, a role that notoriously is quite a difficult role to play as a as a. Uh, I hate to say reserves because we don't they don't want to call it reserve team management anymore. But I think he's got a part to play somewhere along the line. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where where that will be. Um, you know, I don't know what Stephen's ambitions are. Are they in media or does he want to stay involved in the game? Um, I think the talent that he had as a player, uh, if he can have half that sort of talent as a, a as a coach or as a manager, then I don't think he would be doing uh, too badly. Um, but it's it is all about um, it's all about Liverpool Football Club getting the best for them, and obviously Stephen will want the best for himself. So it's a marriage that we'll have to see, or like a relationship, uh, we'll have to see in a way uh, to see if it develops into a marriage. Dizzy, thanks for your time. I look forward to listening to you on LFC TV. Describing all the goals we score against West Ham at the weekend, I hope. I hope so as well, Mills. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. This is the Five Times Podcast, the voice of the ex-Liverpool players. A big warm welcome then to the Five Times Podcast to John Hartz, a Liverpool fan, former Arsenal, Celtic and, of course, West Ham, who we host this weekend, former player of them. John, welcome to the Five Times Podcast. You were there on Sunday for the Bournemouth game. What did you make of that? Well, I think sometimes you've got to give a little bit of credit to the opposition, but from Liverpool's point of view, I thought they were excellent. I really, really did. They looked, they looked powerful going forward. 
got a great mix um, in the attacking sort of third. Um, Mane, Firmino, and Origi, I think they all link up really, really well together. And from the 2 0 position, Liverpool has to then see the game out. But, but seeing the games out, you know, it's an art in itself. And um, I was up at the Marina Dodlish Appeal lunch on uh, Monday afternoon up in Formby Hall Golf Club and I was talking to a few of the legends up there, the likes of Jan Moby, Gary Gillespie, um, Jim Beglin, Kenny was there himself and they were saying seeing games out is an art and um, I think Liverpool will be kicking themselves, I think they'll feel they should have having gone in front and been playing so well and so dominating in that uh, so dominant in that first half um, they should have gone on then and won the game. But, you know, um, they brought on Ryan Fraser for Bournemouth on the right-hand side. He made he made a huge impact for Bournemouth. And Liverpool ended up losing it. So, you know, from the winning position, they ended up losing, which is disappointing from their point of view. Do you think that's experience out there, perhaps for some of the senior players? Or I'm looking at Matip missing, Lucas playing in, in an unfamiliar centre-half role. and But the momentum as well from, from Bournemouth was really building, wasn't it? What it was, as soon as, as, soon as um, James Milner brings down um, Ryan Fraser for the, you know, they got a little bit of impetus from that. The crowd got, got going a little bit. And then Fraser scores the second goal and, and he, he crosses the ball uh, for Cook to, to, to put in the equaliser for the third. And Carrius, of course, the goalkeeper for Liverpool, he's, he's come under a little bit of stick this week, a little bit of pressure, which, which is difficult for him, you know, difficult for his confidence couple of uh, Liverpool ex-great players for Liverpool have, have really come out and, um, and given all sorts of, um, of, of stick and criticism. And, and that can't be easy for him, you know. He needs confidence because he will be between the sticks, I would think, again on the weekend, on Sunday against West Ham. So uh, rather than knocking him um, and saying he's not good enough, it's, is that the right thing to do with, with a goalkeeper that's trying to make a future for himself at, at Liverpool. OK, you might think he's not good enough. You might think he's made a few mistakes, but he needs building up right now. He doesn't mean knocking down. You mentioned there about West Ham at the weekend on Sunday. What have you made of your former side? I think they've been disappointing this season. You know, they're fourth from bottom. They're, they're, they're hemorrhaging goals. Um, and it's really disappointing because they're basically the same group of players. You know, that's what they are. OK, Randolph has come in for Adrian in terms of uh, in goal. Um, but if you look at them, OK, they haven't had a regular striker. Zaza and, uh, and Ayu both didn't play um, on, on the weekend against Arsenal. They got thumped 5-1 at home. And when you think Ayu was 20 million and Zaza was 5.2 million for a season loan, and they can't get them on the pitch. Yeah, Andy Carroll has been a big loss to them, of course. I think Andy's on his way back now, but the young boy Fletcher, um, he played at the weekend. I like Fletcher, but he's still very, very young. And I, I genuinely think that West Ham overachieved last season, and I think there's been a lot of pressure this season. Naturally, the expectations uh, go up, they rise. They've had issues with the with the new stadium. They've not really been able to settle there, although it's a wonderful stadium. It's not Upton Park. It doesn't have that intimidating, you know, factor that, that other teams didn't like going to the uh, boarding ground. They seem to enjoy going to the Olympic Stadium. It's a big, huge stadium. 
it's like a cup final appeal, really, when you're watching games there. Um, but they've got to sort that out, and it's disappointing because it's the same group of players, you know, Payet, Lanzini, Obiang, Noble, the skipper. Uh, at the back, it's still Reed Collins, or Bonner. So something's just not clicking there, whether the players are given everything. Slavin criticised and questioned their attitude in training even, which is hard to believe. Um, but there you go. It's it's not all rosy at West Ham, but I do feel they, they've got enough quality within that group to take themselves away from uh, from that position that they're in fourth from bottom. But you, you mentioned that quality. Aside from Pae, I think perhaps there may be a bit too much expectation. Who else is going to deliver? You know, it seems that from an outsider's point of view, if it's not Pae delivering, then then who's going to stand up and be counted? Well, it's the likes of Lanzini. You know, this time last season, um, Arsenal, sorry, West Ham went to Arsenal and they won. They went to Liverpool and they won. They went to Manchester City and they won. So something's clearly not right in that dressing room. Um, and that's down to Slavin Bilic in terms of um, getting them players ready for the big games. They have an enormous game at Anfield this weekend on, on Sunday late afternoon uh, against Liverpool. They've got to pick themselves up. As I said, why are they doing it last season where they finished brilliantly in seventh and they don't seem to be doing it this season? You know, they're, they're, they're leaking goals. They're not scoring goals. That's a terrible, terrible mix to have at a football club. Um, and as I said, Mark Noble, their captain, can he rally his troops like he was doing last season? Can Obiang break into the opposition's penalty box and gamble and get them goals that he had last season? Collins, my big pal from Wales, James Collins, big, powerful centre-half. You know, Winston Reid was linked with Tottenham, 25, 30 million pounds last season, season before. Ogbonna, all right, they missed Creswell on the left-hand side because he gets them up the park. He's got great energy levels. He gets balls in the box. They've missed his, his services going forward. But, you know, I, 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 I can't agree with you there, Neil, because I think they have got quality. And, you know, the big surprise for me is you know, how much they've dropped in such a short space of time from last season to only, what, 13, 14 games in right now, and they're in a dogfight. Like Swansea, like Hull, like Sunderland, like Middlesbrough, you know, they are in a dogfight. Like Leicester, they are down there. And and as I said, for that group of players, um, I feel they've got far too much um, to be where they are, and I think they'll get away from, from them. Uh, they've got a lot more quality than other teams in and around that area. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, John, you're talking about the quality there within the squad and you, and you see a lot more of them than, than certainly I do. But is, I'm looking at the result last weekend against Arsenal. That was a big, big defeat at home. Is, is confidence a huge issue there? Yes, it has to be. It has to be because nobody likes to get hammered five goals to one at home on your on your own patch. Slavon Bilic's words were embarrassing. He was embarrassed. And he came out and he said a few things regards to the training, the attitude in training, you know, the the focus on on um, training hard, and that work rate and desire, which which is a must. You know, these things come. You shouldn't be asked to go and work hard and 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 put a, you know, and show desire and commitment and these words. And quite Slavin, who I played with. Um, 
Obviously, I'm his assistant, Julian Dix, back at West Ham. He was 97 when we played together. Um, you know, he's he's disappointed, but he's the manager. His neck is on is on the chopping block. You know, um, he makes he has the final say. The buck stops with the manager always. So it's going to be down to Slavin to get them lads going in training. And I'm sure after last weekend, um, the confidence has to be sky. You know, it's not it's not going to be um, uh, one of the big factors for them because you know yourself, Neil. You know, confidence comes with winning games. You know, that's when team spirit comes. When you win, the training ground all of a sudden becomes a nicer place to be. When you're losing every other week and you're conceding goals, um, you know, training can be a little bit of a slog. But they, they've got to get themselves going again. They've, they've got to look at some videos from last season. I would have got the video out to the West Ham players and showed them how they beat Liverpool last season. When they pressed Liverpool high, Lanzini got on the score sheet. Terrific results. Never easy going to Anfield and winning at any time. That's what I'd have been doing with the players this week, showing them, reminding them how good a performance that was last last season at Anfield, and they have to get back to their performances. Well, I hope they do, don't, John. That's for sure. Um, you, you've uh, you, you you had uh, an outstanding career. You know, I mentioned a number of clubs that you played for in your time um, in England and Scotland, and obviously for Wales as well as an international. We mentioned at the start that you were a Liverpool fan. How did that come about? Why why was that? Well, it basically came about because my idol growing up was was Ian Rush. You know, I was a I was a young centre forward and um, obviously Welsh, and, and Rushy was Welsh. Um, he was a goal scorer, and uh, and basically I I went to Anfield once um, as a schoolboy with my local with my local uh, side that I played. I was thirteen, fourteen years of age. And then it just just went from there, really. And uh, I never got to play with my idol, Rushy. I trained with him, and I, I got I played with Sparky at Mark Hughes. I played with Dean Saunders and some of these other top top players that Wales had. Um, but I, I came on for for Rushy one night. So I think he was against Turkey. I shook his hand. He came off, and I came on. So I never actually got to share a football pitch with, with my idol. But uh, as I said, I was up at I was up at Formby Hall. On, on Monday afternoon there and uh, Kenny Douglas and his wife Marina were there. Marina's looking at absolute picture of health, by the way, after uh, after her little scare with, with cancer. Like myself, I, I had um, my little battle with that as well. Uh, it was a wonderful afternoon. It was a great, great atmosphere. Lots of money raised and it was just nice to be in the company. I was, I was on the same table as Mike Newell, Jim Beglin, Gary Gillespie, Kenny, um, Darren Farley was there, the impressionist. He's a, he's a great lad as well. And Ian Callahan was on a different table. Roy Evans, who I worked with with Wales, with, with Big John Toshak. Roy's a gentleman as well. Alan Studs was there. Um, and it was a wonderful day. And it was just great for me to be sitting with all these guys that, that I'd watched, you know, as a young lad growing up. And, and I idolised most of these people. So normally I go and do dinners and I speak at events. And, you know, it's, it's a bunch of you know, lads in, in a in a social club in the middle of the Ronda Valleys and they laugh at anything with six or seven points down them, you know. But it was a bit more challenging when I spoke at uh, Ken's lunch and Marina Marina's um appeal lunch. Uh because obviously all my all my heroes and a lot of my idols I'd looked up to were, were all in the room. So I was up against it a bit but uh 
I guess uh, I absolutely nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, well, that's fantastic to hear. You were mentioning about one of your idols, Ian Rush, and you know he was, you know, all-time goal scorer for Liverpool. Absolutely super. Yeah. Scored goals for fun and obviously for Wales as well. We've got a young player coming through at the moment called Ben Woodburn, whose affiliation is towards Wales at the moment. He scores a goal the other night against Leeds in the League Cup quarter-final, youngest ever Liverpool player. What have you made of him and, yeah. and, and the exciting talent he could be? Well, I think like like everybody else, we, we've not seen an awful lot of him uh, to make judgment at the minute. But what I would say for him to be even given that opportunity and the way that he that he finished it, you know, it, it, it sort of bounced fairly high for him to make great contact and he smashed into the roof of the net. So he looked like a natural goal scorer, like a that's the type of thing that's the type of finish you saw from Robbie Fowler, you know, people like that. It's just instinctive and he uh, you know, he ran away in front of the cop there and he's uh, great, great time for him, moment for him personally. Um, you know, he's played for Wales under fifteens, seventeens and nineteens. It's down to the lads, really, where where his heart lies, where he sees um, his international future. I don't think anybody should get involved in that. That should be for him to decide. And um, if he's very proud to be Welsh, if he's proud to be English, he'll decide himself, along with his with his parents. He'll make that decision. But he certainly looks like he's got a great future. I think any any lads who who breaks in, you know, a, a big club like Liverpool, he, he obviously has something very very special. And uh, good luck to him. He looks a real, real talent. John, absolutely brilliant that on Ben Woodman. Just to finish with, obviously, West Ham game coming up this weekend. What's your thoughts? What's your prediction ahead of this one? Well, I, I see it as a difficult afternoon for West Ham. I think they do really, really well to come away with anything, personally. Um, I'm not sure. Is Manny, as you've recovered, is Manny going to play? I know Coutinho yeah. And, you know, he looks a real good um, signing for Liverpool. He's powerful, he's clever, he's got a lot a lot of quality. Um, Firmino and Origi, you know, they're big, strong, powerful boys and they're getting goals. Um, Coutinho's obviously a big miss. He's still out, you know, but, but um, he's not too far away. I think he's about six weeks, the last I heard. Lalana came on last weekend at Bournemouth. Um, so I, I would think he might get a start in uh, birth, but at least he's fit, at least he gives Klopp another option. So I think Liverpool will be too strong uh, for West Ham. He's going to take an, a fantastic effort from West Ham. I wouldn't totally rule them out, but if I was going to go um, with the result, I, I would have to. I can't look. Um, I can't look past the Liverpool win. I like that prediction, John Hartson. Thanks for your time on the Five Times po- Podcast. Okay, thank you, Neil. All the best. The final word on the Five Times Podcast. Okay, now on the Five Times Podcast, just before we finish, I want to catch up with an FA Cup goal-scoring hero from last weekend. Unfortunately, didn't win the game, but we all saw Adam Morgan score that fantastic hat-trick. And he joins us now on the Five Times Podcast. Adam, what was that like to score a hat-trick last weekend? All right, Mills. Yeah, it was, you know, I think it's obviously a bittersweet day. And, you know, it's delighted to score the hat-trick, but devastated for the lads to be leading 3-0 on 81 minutes and and you know come away on um, the losing side which goal did you enjoy the most I like the third one nice little calm finish into the corners for the hat-trick yeah looking back now I think it was the third one but I think on the day necessarily just because I thought when the first one went in so early not that not that it was long range it just kind of settled me down I thought right you know, I have good start, so I kick off on here. So 
looking back now and reflecting, I think the third one's, you know, a, a striker's finish, but uh, on the day, I would have said the first one. After the game, you must have been bombarded with texts and people wishing you well. Any that from your Liverpool days get back in touch to wish you all the best? Yeah, you know, honestly, everyone, yes. They was all tweeting and and um, and it went, went, went mad. It went mad on me Twitter, but I, I didn't check my phone, I don't think, till about two and a half, three hours afterwards. I, like, and it ju- it, that was just because I wanted to thank everyone for all the messages, or I wouldn't have checked it the night. I was sick, I was. I was, uh, it was, it was, it was a tough, tough day, and you know. But hopefully, if it do, if it do, um, kick on over the next couple of years, or you know, it's a, it'll be a learning experience for me. It was Curzon Ashton that you played for, scoring that hat trick against League One side Wimbledon, who are a decent side. You know, Neil Ardley's been there a while, settled side, and certainly going well in that division. He must have given you huge confidence. I look at Curzon Ashton as a, obviously a non-league club, probably struggling for finance for finances long term. Have they got you signed to a contract, perhaps a buyout clause, because you're going to attract an awful lot of interest with that hat trick. Um, no, no, I've got. I'm just on him, um, you know, week to week contract. So I'm not, I'm not under no contract, and you know, like if like I can just, you know, leave if 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 needs be, or if the club decides to get rid of me, they can. It's I'm not tied down to no contract or anything like that. Uh, you, well, you must have had a few phone calls, agents, people saying January window around the corner. Do you have to wait for that from the non-league, or or can you can you move sooner? No, you can. You can just move. Um, Whenever, whenever you want to and stuff like that, uh, if it's good on both parts. But I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. You know, I think, I think, I'm just really pleased to be back scoring goals and, you know, whatever it'll be, it'll be. What do you want to happen? You've scored a hat trick there. You've had a tough time having left Liverpool. Now your confidence is high. You're scoring goals and look like you're enjoying your football again. Yeah, and that's what I want to just keep doing. Just keep enjoying your football and if you keep doing well, you know. The things things long term that I want to happen hopefully might. So at the minute I'm enjoying my football. I don't want to get carried away and and um, get carried away and start thinking things and worrying about things. I just want to keep playing my football and then the rest hopefully might take care of itself. Morgs, last time we had you on, can you remember saying this to us? Thank you, Mel's BT Sports. I'll get it. I'm going to score an <laughs> Yeah, you know it was. I think obviously a few weeks ago that now and. You know, I, I I did believe it. I did believe it. I, I know I've laughed to myself after I've said it, but I did believe I was going to score. And it was just, I did end up banging Attic in an unbelievable feeling, especially against the League One club. And, you know, they, they could be in the Championship next year. So, uh, yeah, it was, I, you know, I think I did believe it, but I think it was more like a throwaway comment. And then, you know, to go and do it's fantastic. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. Morg's belief and confidence is absolutely massive in football so I hope you do maintain that belief and confidence going into games scoring goals the FA Cup third round draw we all watched it did you watch it? yeah I watched it yeah yeah I watched it close to the watching it like, but I did watch it yeah what was that like watching it you saying it was gutted but I think it was Sutton that Wimbledon drew up were you made up? yeah I was made up to, to see you know like no disrespect to Sutton but obviously to get, if we would have got into the third round we would have wanted a big tie and I think um, that would have been probably one of our most difficult ties, you know, to play on Astro Turf and um it's it'd be obviously a journey overnight and stuff like that. So it was a hard hard one to watch, but you know, I think 
everyone raised a little smile in the end. And obviously Stevie G was pulling out the balls as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was made up when I kind of seen Stevie. So like, I was just watching it um, eating my dinner and I think I, re- I think I rewound that, what he said, back more than my goals. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, was really, I was really happy to um, today that and, you know, I think it just, and obviously it was on the Monday, but just summed up a great weekend for me. Brilliant. Top my mugs. Okay, cheers, Miles. This is the Five Times Podcast, hosted by Neil Meller. That's it for this week's podcast on the Five Times. My thanks, of course, to Ray Houghton, who was brilliant as ever, Gary Gillespie, John Hartson and Adam Morgan. Don't forget, with the, the close of the year coming up, Christmas round the corner, we'll be getting former players on in the next few weeks to, to tell us what their favourite moments were of 2016. No doubt you all have your own and it'll be interesting to hear the former players take on, on what their best moments were and hopefully what will be an even even better 2017. So thanks again for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.